Thank you for listening to this Podcast One production. Available on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. In celebration of the return of new episodes of The Steve Austin Show, we've got a bonus for you this week. You can hear the full episode of Steve's return right here with guest Tony Khan of All Elite Wrestling. Take a listen, enjoy, and then head over to The Steve Austin Show podcast on Apple Podcasts or PodcastOne.com and subscribe to get new episodes every week. This episode of the Steve Austin Show is brought to you free today by our friends at BetOnline.ag. With the Stanley Cup and NBA Finals behind us, we now turn our attention to Major League Baseball, the UFC, Major League Soccer, and much more. Simply put, the sports action just keeps on rolling. Get in the mix at BetOnline.ag and use the promo code PODCAST1 for your 50% welcome bonus. BetOnline.ag, your online sportsbook experts and exclusive partner of Podcast One Sportsnet. And hey, man, while you're online, you should get your car insurance figured out. Go to GEICO.com, and in 15 minutes, you can be saving 15% or more on car insurance. That's right. Save hundreds of dollars on car insurance at GEICO.com. Extra money in your pocket? It may just be the most awarding thing you do today. The following program is a PodcastOne.com production. From Hollywood, California, by way of the Broken Skull Ranch, this is the Steve Austin Show. Give me a hell yeah. Hell yeah. Now, Here's Steve Austin. All right, everybody, welcome to Steve Austin Show. I am coming to you from the main streets of Los Angeles, California today. I'm sitting behind my desk at 316 Gimmick Street, about to open up a big can of audio whoop-ass with my special guest, President and CEO of All Elite Wrestling, AEW, Tony Khan. Tony Khan was passing through the main streets of Los Angeles today and heard I wanted to talk to him about AEW and Double or Nothing, the very successful pay-per-view they just conducted in Las Vegas, sold out in a couple of minutes, had some great matches. And so Tony stopped by, came in at 316 Gimmick Street. We fired up two microphones. I didn't forget to hit the record button, and we sat there and we chopped it up for several hours. Our conversation today, we will be talking about Double or Nothing, some of my thoughts on some of the matches, uh, lots of great action. We're not breaking down into great detail anything. We're not critiquing. We're just talking about things. When I started this podcast with Tony, I listened to several of the interviews that he'd done and tried to stay away from some of the material that he had already covered. So I went into this podcast with no notes because I didn't really need a bunch of notes to talk to Tony Khan because of his love and his history for the business of professional wrestling. And if you're going to talk about wrestling with me, I'm never at a loss for words because it's something that's very near and dear to my heart. Everybody knows my past with professional wrestling. I started watching when I was a kid, seven or eight years old, in Edna, Texas, while my mom was back there reading her Red Book magazine, shaking her head, wondering why I was watching what I was watching. Much the same thing for Tony as far as starting at a very young age. He started watching wrestling, fell in love with it, and just became enamored with it and started uh, participating in tape trading where he would trade tapes with all these different people in the United States and all over the world. And so he watched uh, all the different promotions, all the different periods and transitions and uh, uh, eras of the business since he was just a kid. Funny thing about Tony is he graduated from college with a degree in finance. For some reason, this guy has a just a mind or a knack for numbers. He remembers everything. He can remember uh, all the dates to any pay-per-view you can name, who went over, what the finish was, what the card was, what the order of the card was, and has just this tremendous, vast knowledge of the history 
of the business, and he has certainly formed his own opinions about the business, and he's seen some of the greatest angles and worst angles ever shot. So it'll be interesting to see his spin and their creative take on their promotion as they proceed forward. So anyway, it was really easy to talk about professional wrestling with Tony Khan. I've taken about a six-month break. I'm back on the air. I'll be doing one show live each week. The other day of the week, we'll be playing a classic. I'm going to go into more details about that in the future. Uh, I'm not going to make a long open for this show because I know everybody wants to hear what Tony Khan has to say. So I'll bring you up to speed with what I've been doing during my off time on the next podcast, which will happen next Tuesday. A classic will be playing on the Thursday episode. So Tony Khan is a conversation. We're talking all elite wrestling, AEW, double or nothing, what they've got going on, and what to look for in the future. In the back end of the podcast, Tony will drop some dates as far as to some of the events that they have going on. Go to their website for more details. Without any further ado, here's my guest, president and CEO of All Elite Wrestling, Tony Khan. We approach the middle of June with the NBA Finals and Stanley Cup now behind us. The action continues throughout the month in Major League Baseball, the UFC, Major League Soccer, the NBA Draft, and much more in the UFC. The end of June sees a battle of the heavyweights as Francis Ngannou clashes with Junior Dos Santos. Man, don't miss that one. Then in July, the dominant John Jones looks to continue his winning ways against Thiago Santos at UFC 239. There's only one place that has you covered and one place we trust, betonline.ag. Sign up today for a free account at betonline.ag and use the promo code PODCAST1 or text Bet now to 238-669 to receive a 50% welcome bonus. That's betonline.ag, your online sportsbook experts and exclusive partners of Podcast One Sportsnet. Hey, man, some of us out there have been credit shamed, and it stinks. Credit shamed is when you have less than desirable credit, and everyone treats you like you're a piece of trash. If you have rough credit, you can't avoid it. Car shopping, denied. Home loan, denied. And if you're applying for a job, guess what? Employers run your credit, too. Don't let bad credit keep you in the gutter because our new sponsor, CreditRepair.com, can help you work to fix it. These guys are America's most recognizable credit repair company. CreditRepair.com has crazy smart people, a patented credit repair process, and relationships with all three credit bureaus. It's like having an inside track to solving your credit report problems. Past members have seen an average score increase of 40 points in four months. Go to CreditRepair.com slash podcast for your free credit diagnosis. An advocate will pay Point what's hurting your score and ways to improve it. If you're looking for some expert help, the Steve Austin Show is offering a $50 credit off your first fee to get you started. Go to creditrepair.com slash podcast today to get your credit straight, and that's the bottom line. Again, that's creditrepair.com slash podcast. Check it out. This is the Steve Austin Show. Tony Khan, welcome to 316 Gimme Street. Thank you, Steve. It's good to meet you. We've been talking for about an hour. Yes, sir. Off the record. Yes. Now we're on the record. Yes, this sir. This is Steve Austin show. I have been off the air for six months, so I'm glad to have you as my first guest back. Thank you so much for having me. It's been great being here with you at 316 Gimmick Street. I uh, I won't reveal the uh, the true <laughs> the true secret identity, but uh, of 316 Gimmick Street. But I'm so I I've been wanting for years to find out where 316 Gimmick Street really is, and I know now. <laughs> I got 
a text message from Tony. We've got this uh, podcast set up through our mutual friend, and he goes, I, I assume 316 Gimmick Street is not a real address. So I had to text him my real address, which actually everybody knows anyway. But nonetheless, it's good to have you on the show. Hey, let, let's get into uh, We've Broken Eyes, because we've been sitting here shooting the shit for about an hour. And uh, let's talk about a little bit of wrestling, because yep. as we speak, y'all just had Double or Nothing in Las Vegas, sold out. It was an awesome show. I enjoyed the hell out of it. As a matter of fact, for the last two weeks, I've been in Nevada, and right before we left, I got a chance to watch the show. As I was packing up, you know, I was kind of really waiting for the last three matches, but I watched the whole card from top to bottom. And then when I came back, you know, you always want things to kind of settle in and digest. And when I knew you were coming on the show, I said, okay, I've got to research, Tony. And you really thought a lot of this pay-per-view. So I watched it from top to bottom again. And I was even more impressed than I was from the first time Thank around. Thank you. Thank you. So I really loved the event. And so from an ownership standpoint, what were your thoughts? Grand Slam? Yeah, Grand Slam. Uh, going in, my expectations were I really wanted this to be one of the greatest wrestling pay-per-views of all time. And, I, you know, sitting in your company, uh, thank you again for having me here. It's, it's my pleasure. It's an honor to be here with you, Steve. And, uh, you know, saying this to you is uh, a big proclamation, but I wanted to have one of the greatest wrestling pay-per-views ever. And I do think it was one of the greatest pay-per-views ever. You've been on a lot of the greatest pay-per-views ever and in, in a number of ways. And since you watch the card, you know, it, I'm so curious to hear your thoughts on it. And, and you know, we've been talking for an hour and it's been it's like such an absolute pleasure and a dream for me. But we've purposely avoided talking a lot about the card so that we can kind of come into it fresh now. Yeah, we were talking a lot about football, and I think uh, during football season, I think you and I are going to get together and do something because, man, I'm a football fanatic. Absolutely. Obviously, you are as well. Uh, and I want to talk to you about true media, and I want to talk to you about all these uh, statistics and all the other stuff that you've got going. Uh, first and foremost, let me get a little bit of uh, information about you. Dude, I know you have a place here in Los Angeles. I know you grew up in Chicago. Uh, Champagne. Champagne. Uh, well, it's Illinois. Yeah. And I, I put the up. S in there to piss everybody <laughs> off. Okay, Champagne, but, but from, you, you're born there, but y'all own the Jacksonville Jaguars. You've yes. got a place in England because you're involved in soccer as well. So, dude, what is your schedule? Because you're busy some bitch. Uh, yeah, I, you know, I'm constantly traveling uh, based on, you know, what the priority is at that time. We have a ton of big priorities, uh, Fulham Football Club, Jacksonville Jaguars, AEW, uh, are all uh, so important to me and, and people ask like you know about dividing time and to me it's like if you have children and dividing your time amongst them I mean I love these they're so important to me this is my life and uh, you know Fulham AEW and the Jags uh, take up all, all my time other than you know the other things that take up all my time as well <laughs> true media and uh, uh, some other business interests I also have to focus on but this is you know this is my life and business let's, let's get back into uh, Double or Nothing because I really enjoyed this pay-per-view Thank and you, i was man. wondering you know first of all you, you, we're, we'll talk a little bit about the whole card because all the talent on this show work their ass off but when you start a pay-per-view you need a badass match coming out of the gate and then all of a sudden you had scu versus Strongheart. now a lot of these people you know some of the people i haven't heard of because i've just been kind of doing dvr and you know wwe uh, the rest of the land, landscape of wrestling that i don't really keep in touch with you know, like new japan and what ring of honor or whatever with all due respect to them, I just don't follow as much as I used to. So a lot of these people I hadn't heard of, but man, there's very talented people on this damn roster. And I know a couple of the guys from SCU, and I sent them text messages, and man, that was a bad 
grass match when you watch it back for the second time you look at the 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 little things or the big things the timing the precision the execution man those guys crushed it and i loved it because it really started off pay-per-view on a strong note and it looked just looked like that crowd and you can tell me because you were there backstage or wherever you were prowling around uh how were you taking this in i'm in the gorilla position were, were you at, at at all in chicago i was in sitting with uh the ronalds and the massey's families at all in yeah what were you doing there were you a part of that show no i had nothing to do with that show except i was a friend of the families and i had uh as a friend i had let through our, my family's jet chartering business charter a plane for chris jericho to get to his concert that night just as a friend right. and i never asked for money for that it was just a friend, friendly thing to do and uh i was happy to do it for them and for chris and i, I you know I, was, I think it was good for them in their show but uh i was just there with the family so i just kind of hung out with uh with brandy's dad and with you know cody's mom and uh, uh teal and uh the masseys and it was great but but at double or nothing now you're all in no pun intended. <laughs> no pun no, no yeah. pun intended yeah. no please no so definitely no what pun. were you feeling nervous as a long tail cat in a room full of rocking chairs uh enthusiastic or i've been under a lot, i've been in a lot of big pressure situations and honestly steve just like i you know i never felt uh maybe more pressure meeting any person in my life uh than meeting you uh you know walked in and we just talked for an hour and it's been incredibly really enjoyable and pleasant for me and i think same as that right double or nothing i've never uh produced a wrestling show firsthand before and sat in that position uh timing the show out and uh uh, talking through the guys and uh look it was something we'd spent a lot of time uh planning we've had so many months and uh so many meetings and so many text messages and group chats and ideas bouncing back and forth for months and months and months between the five of us with uh kenny and and the bucks and cody uh and also you know, input from a lot of people and, and Brandy Runnels, the chief brand officer and Dana Massey, uh, is the chief merchandising officer did an amazing job, like making sure this event came off. Christopher Daniels does a lot more for us than people know. He's not just a great wrestler, but I mean, he's the head of talent relations. I mean, he's, that's a, that's a really important spot. Super knowledgeable guy. Super knowledgeable guy. And he does a lot of work backstage that nobody really knows and doesn't get a lot of credit for. And he's an incredible person and a great guy too. And, uh, we have a great group and, uh, especially the, the, you know, those, those four EVPs, Cody and Kenny and the Young Bucks, uh, Matt and Nick, the five of us talk like uh, on a daily basis. And I think, you know, while you and I have been sitting here that, you know, for over an hour now, they've, we've been most, so many text messages flying in from those guys while we've been talking. It's like such an active conversation. And, uh, look, it's like 2019. And what I was saying to you is, can you imagine 30 years ago if, if Ric Flair had had the ability to have, you know, Jim Cornette, Kevin Sullivan, uh, Jim Ross, Keith Mitchell, and all the people he had when he had, you know, a bunch of really talented people, Eddie Gilbert, and he had all these people at his disposal on his phone, and they could have just talked that way because, that you know, it, getting everyone in a room at the same time, you know, keeping Rick in the room for hours at a time probably wasn't, like, uh, the best business plan and all these things. So uh, I just think, yeah, well, we, it's, like, some really great minds, not to compare, but it's a totally different eras and totally different people. But, yeah, it's a bunch of great minds uh, coming together 
with like really different experience and different viewpoints. And I, I knew going in Double or Nothing was going to be a, a really good show. I wasn't like surprised by it. It's probably high praise and obviously I'm pretty biased, but I thought it was a great show. And I, I'm glad you like the opener. I can't wait to hear what you thought of the rest. Well, <laughs> you, you, we were also talking before we started rolling sound about being worried about people getting hurt out there. Yeah. And everybody pretty much came through unscathed. Props to that. Congratulations. But man, all of a sudden I'm watching this thing. And, and kind of what is, I would say like, it's not a no color policy, but you know, people don't bleed too much anymore. Like back in the day. And I know you go way back uh, as far as your love of wrestling. So you've been watching a long time and you've seen some bloodbaths, but it's just not, not too commonly done anymore. And all of a sudden Dustin and Cody are out there in an absolute instant classic. When I met Dustin Rhodes in the back end of uh, 1989 in Dallas, Texas at the Sportatorium World Class Championship Wrestling when Fritz Von Erich still owned it and then Jerry Jarrett bought it and here was Dustin Rhodes coming in and I was just coming out of wrestling school and you know, Dustin's technically about four years younger than me but had already been in the business about a year and a half before me and uh, my mother and his father went to the same high school in Austin, Texas and Dustin and I were born in the same hospital and all of a sudden we're both in WCW. And man, we had some knockdown, drag out fights. I mean, wrestling matches and damn near fights. And we laid our shit in and we just took it to the next level. I remember one time, I think it was Phoenix or somewhere. I've, I've told this story before, but I'll tell it again to you because I want to go back into this match. Grizzly Smith was the agent for the show. The house was down. Lex Luger, I think, was one of the guys on top. And uh, Dustin comes up to me. He goes, hey, man, what do you think about getting a little bit of color? I said, yeah, man, I was always game to, to bust out some equipment. And uh, he goes to Grizz, or we go to Grizz, and Dustin says, hey, Grizz, what do you think about me and Steve? But we weren't in a feud. We weren't in an angle. We weren't nothing. It was just a match on a card on a house show. And, you know, it was about uh, 30% capacity, maybe 25% capacity there. And he says, hey, Grizz, you know, what if uh, maybe me and Steve get some color? Help the house. And Grizz thought about it. Yeah, I think that's a good idea. I don't know if it's a good idea or not. Boy, me and Dustin go out there, and it's an absolute bloodbath. Anyway, Dustin and Cody are out there. They, I, I'm wondering how they're going to work this match because Dustin is one of the best workers I've ever been in the ring with. And when I first came into WWF, now WWE, in uh, late 1995, Dustin and I were traveling together, and he was Goldust. And this was before they chopped his legs out from under him and kind of killed the gimmick because people started complaining or whatever. He was working on top of Shawn Michaels, and Dustin had just insane white heat. I mean, he would go out there, and him and Shawn would just rip the roof off every building that they would work in. And I was usually jerking a curtain or mid-card or whatever, and we'd get in the car, ride down to the next one, and drink beer. But it was just an absolute blast. So I have so much history with Dustin. And I know I know Cody a little bit. Uh, out two years ago, I went to Long Beach when New Japan was working because I know a couple of the guys. I was there too. I was at ringside. Okay, so I was there at that, and I can't remember the Japanese guy he worked with on that show. Okada. Okada. And I had some uh, uh, constructive criticism for him, you know, after the match, which was a great match. And to see how far he's come from when he left WWE to go do his thing in New Japan and now be one of the headline matches. And I saw All In, but to me, I thought this was probably the shining moment of his career where this was the place where he presented himself as the biggest star that he's ever been, worked like it, and came off like a big-time star and is a big-time star. So I was really proud of the way he 
just presented it, just his package, everything that, that, that is Cody Rhodes, the American Nightmare. Of course, Brandy was there as well, did the thing with the throne. Yeah. But that match starts, and I'm thinking, okay, what are these guys going to do? And there's, how old was Dusty when he passed? 69, 70 years 69. of history. So there's 69 years of history, 33 years of Cody being around because yeah. he's 33, and there's Dustin's 50, and they start this match off. And it just goes back to some of the callbacks. Dustin points up at the sky. He's talking about Dusty. And then uh, Jim Ross says, that's a mighty long walk for a 50-year-old man. Here's a man trying to fight to get a respect back within his family. And then you got one of the most iconic voices of all time calling this stuff. And, you know, he's getting the ring rust off of him, and he's getting back to American-style wrestling from calling New Japan. And, dude, they go back. And it's, it, what I loved about this match was, and, and we'll get to some of it because the Young Bucks uh, and uh, the, the Lucha Brothers just tore it up with all kinds yeah. of crazy creative stuff. Yeah. This match was so basic, but the storytelling, the table was set for these guys to crush it out of the park. And then the exposed turnbuckle, whammy, crushes his head, yeah. just an all-time gusher. And then all of a sudden, the crowd starts going, and I'm, I'm sitting on the edge of my couch. I'm thinking, man, Dustin's got a good one here. And, you know, sometimes it can come like a gore fest and be too much. And this was so much blood, but it wasn't too much for me it, because of the stakes, because the match was built the way it was. I'm rambling, but I'm telling you, no. the basic structure, the story that they told, the history, now the blood. Then the, the, the finish at the end, finally, through all the great things that they did. Nothing crazy, nothing high risk, basic. But the timing was there, and it was all there for a reason. Then the finish. And then Cody picks up that stick, the microphone, and there it is, setting it up for a tag match, uh, and said he, he needed his brother back. Yeah, well, there, that was the most emotion. Here's the biggest compliment I can give you about that pay per view. That was the most emotion I've felt in a professional wrestling match, and I don't know how many years. And I believe that emotions sell tickets. Yeah, well, I completely agree with you. And what's cool is we didn't have uh, a history of AEW to build up this show, to right. build up issues. Had to use social media, had to use road to, road to double or nothing and be in the elite and our various social channels and press conferences we've done, ticket, uh, sale date. Uh, promotion parties that, you know, were basically press conferences and, uh, things we've done and, and angles we've done there and some stuff we've done to, to, you know, create essentially teasers and spots because we didn't have a history and, uh, you know, have licensed footage from other stuff we've done, you know, have done run-ins at other promotions. And now that we've done, uh, this show and we can hang our hats on doing this great show that we've done, uh, we have that great footage and we're only going to build up more and more content, more and more footage. Uh, and uh, you know, have this great library of stuff, but at the time we didn't have that. So uh, for us, you know, for these guys launched into what is uh, to me, like you said, the most emotion, uh, the best feeling, and to me, uh, one of the best singles matches you're going to see one-on-one encounters with a personal issue. Steve Austin and Bret Hart at WrestleMania 13 is what it invokes to me and uh in every way and it's a different kind of personal issue it's a, it's a, and Absolutely. uh and very it, different yeah it's a very different personal issue but to me like as far as invoking some kind of emotional response it, it, that's very much to me 
that level. That was another match that had, you know, got that five-star rating in the Observer. Yeah, I, I absolutely think it was one of the great singles matches. My question to you is, let me jump in here. What are you thinking as this match is going on? With all this history, everything at stake, and, you know, the legacy that Dusty's led, and here's his, his, two, his, his two sons in the ring wrestling each other. It means everything to me. Uh, I've been a fan of Dustin my whole wrestling fan life. I mean, as soon as I first got into wrestling, one of the first angles I can remember was a 10-minute challenge with Ted DiBiase and Dustin Rhodes. Uh, and, uh, you know, the angle on Saturday night's main event where uh, Ted DiBiase tried to take Dustin's seat and then the match they had at the Royal Rumble. And then when they jumped to WCW, it was actually when I first started watching WCW, it was when Dusty and Dustin jumped to WCW and, uh, and, and started working with you. And I remember being... Uh, almost uh, nine. I just turned nine years old. It was a few weeks after my ninth birthday, and instead of watching the World Series, I was watching, uh, you know, Steve Austin, Dustin Rhodes, fifteen-minute Broadway for the TV title at Halloween Havoc '91. And I remember Jim Ross saying that if you could have two top draft picks for your team, these would be your two top draft picks, you know, for the future: Steve Austin and Dustin Rhodes. And uh, Dustin Rhodes, I've always been a huge fan of. It would meant the world to me on uh dustin did chris's podcast and he said that the four highlights of his career his mount rushmore would be the war games match he had with you in jacksonville of all places the uh the sting squadron against the dangerous alliance war games yeah. match which i was uh to be honest i watched on home video right after as soon as they released the home video because i, I watched it like scrambled porn i was like listening to it i think a lot of people were doing that back then because my mom i couldn't order that one but uh, it's one of my favorite matches but when Dustin listed off his Mount Rushmore and it was that match, the War Games match with Sting Squadron versus the Dangerous Alliance, it was the backlot brawl from WrestleMania 12 uh, against Roddy Piper, and it was the Shield against uh, Dusty, well, I'm sorry, against Dustin and Cody with Dusty. And then uh, when you had this, and he said, this is, you know, one of the highlights of my career. This would be one of my big four highlights. Well, to me, that's a, you know, a career that spanned over three decades and in, you know, parts of maybe two others. So, you know, you're talking a guy that's been doing it, uh, going to have a 30-year-plus career, one of the all-time greats in my eyes. And for him to say that, that this was a highlight of his career to him and maybe the most special night of his entire career, it was it was incredible to, for coming, at, coming out of it. Coming into it, I, yeah, I had super high expectations. I've been a fan of Dustin's my whole life, but also, you know, not a lot of people hold up. I mean, I'm sure nobody can appreciate better than you can the way Dustin's held up and endured over the years because you're a wrestling fan. And I mean, like, not, I mean, 10 years ago it was 2009. In 2009, he was having blowaway matches. And even then it was like, wow, like, yeah. like you know, what, it's impressive what Dustin's doing at 40. And, uh, you know, at 50 is a whole nother story, but he's just still a top performer. And I work so closely on a daily basis, constantly, as you've seen here, as, as we've text messages have flown, and as, as we've been sitting here uh, with Cody. And uh, so what's going through my head is that, like, this is, uh, as you can tell, like a lot at once, uh, the, you know, what this means. Uh, and the legacy of Dusty Rhodes, like, one of the greatest wrestlers of all time. And what can you say when, like, one of the greatest wrestlers of all time and and arguably his legacy is actually bigger as a creative figure 
uh, a bit backstage and the things that wrestling would be so different today than it is. Uh, and he influenced both on screen and off screen. Well, he was one of the biggest influences is why I got in the business just because I, I loved watching the guy and his promo ability. And speaking of text messages last night, I was watching the pay-per-view again and I had this old number for Dustin and I hadn't talked to him in years. And like I said, we used to travel together and I'm bad about calling people, but you know, my friends are my friends, whether I see them 10 years, one year or whatever, we're still friends. And uh, I gave him a call and he didn't answer. So I just, we used to call each other Collie. And that was our nickname for each other, Collie. It's just a long story I won't get into. So I just, te- I didn't know if I had the right phone number. So I just texted Collie and he knew it was me. And he says, hey man, can I holler at you tomorrow? And I said, yep. I said, great match later. And he said, thanks brother. And then uh, I gave him a thumbs up. And about 15 minutes later, he sent me one more text because we haven't talked yet. But he said, man, it was a special night. That one match right there, to me, first of all, I've already told you that the entire card was badass, and I ain't blowing no smoke because I don't do that. It was a badass card, but that damn match was special. And I hadn't felt that much emotion in a long-ass time. So I loved it, loved the finish. And you've talked in previous podcasts, I kept hearing you talk about some of your favorite tag teams, and one of them was Dustin and Cody. Yeah. Now, I don't recall, you. I'm listening to you spit out all these dates, and I've been hitting that with so many steel chairs, I don't remember shit, but you remember things like it was yesterday, going to your true media, your analytical work, and all this stuff. You have this brain that remembers all this stuff, uh, but going out of this, the way this thing finished up, Dustin don't just need a partner, he needs his brother. Uh, he signed an open contract, so now it's going to be Dustin and Cody versus Versus the Young Bucks. Yeah. Man, that's going to be a badass match. Because I want to get to the Young Bucks match next. Yeah. What about that? Two of the greatest tag teams of all time, and that's by design. We set the card up this way. set the stage. Uh, now, which which event does that happen at? Because let's, as we talk now... Fight for the Fallen. Okay, Fight for the Fallen. And that happens because uh, tickets went on sale a few days ago on June 14th. No, tickets uh, went on sale for All Out. For all out. We've already sold for Fight for the Fallen, and uh, I think there might be some seats available, but it was we okay. have a great, I mean, a great house uh, in Jacksonville. People have been really supportive. I think it's pretty close sold out, Fight for the Fallen. Uh, tickets have just gone on sale, and uh, now we've sold out for all out uh, in Chicago area, Schaumburg, Hoffman Estates, uh, to be specific. Uh, if you're from the area, uh, you know, Woodfield Mall, as people from the area know, is nearby. It's this, The Sears Center is this great venue where they had uh, all in. And uh, we'll be back there again this year with All Out, looking to do, uh, you know, a, hopefully an even better show than All In, a better show than Double or Nothing, which is, you know, now set a really, really high standard, I think. And it's so cool to hear you talk through the card. I'm interested to hear more of what you, you know, you thought on these matches. Well, man, you know, the Young Bucks, I've uh, been watching those guys for a couple of years now. And here, here's the thing, and just like uh, Jericho says, uh, uh Often enough, a lot of these guys are great workers, but because they've been in Japan, you, you might not have heard of them. Yeah. You know, and the Young Bucks, I've heard of them. They don't live, you know, 60 miles down the road in Rancho Cucamonga. So they're they're in this area. And so they're, they're local, but I haven't seen a whole lot of their work. And I haven't seen a whole lot of anything because I'm just kind of in the dark these days. But I knew they were a really good tag team. And the Pentagon Junior gimmick is one of my favorite in, in the business right now and has been for quite some time. I love Pentagon stuff and Phoenix, you know, and their brothers. And of course, Young Bucks, they're brothers. Yeah. And they're damn near both exact, exact same age as each other. And all of a sudden, man, these guys go out there. And I guess the story is Young Bucks hadn't worked in about two months. Their timing's off. Those guys go out there. And they told such a story of those two brothers not quite being in sync. And, you know, Lucha Bros kind of capitalizing on, you know, Matt and Nick were kind of their own worst enemy there for a long time and kept shooting themselves in the foot, so to speak. 
and just great tag team work. And then just through the course of the match, those guys, you know, and it was a young bucks. And of course, you know, the Lucha Bros doing their thing, but they came up with so many creative jaw-dropping sequences. I think it's one of the greatest tag matches ever, not not just on pay-per-view. I think it's one of the greatest tag matches ever. I loved it. I was like, are, are you kidding me? How are these guys doing this shit? And the guys are so relaxed out there and just so confident and so in their zone. I, you know, I knew these, I knew all of them were good, but you know, I, I guess I didn't know they were that good and they are that fucking good. Cause I enjoyed the shit out of that match from a storytelling standpoint, wow factor finish. And that one had emotion built yeah. in it too. And it was such a hard fought match. So I love tag team wrestling. Yeah. Now, I love being a singles wrestler. I got to be in a tag team as with the Hollywood blondes with Brian Pillman and begrudgingly, you know, I was in that because I wanted to be a singles guy at the time. But then all of a sudden I was like, Hey man, this tag team, this, this is the shit. Right. Yeah. And so anyway, I love tag team. And you came up with this thing. What do you call it? Oh yeah, you're cranking the old movie camera. Yeah. But because those guys are figuring in so deep, are are y'all going to have a a a very diverse, you know, tag team roster? I think we have a very diverse tag team roster. It's it's super. We're super focused on it. One of the things we're going to be focused on, and something we're going to do, is establish a great tag team division. Thank Uh, you. I I appreciate that because I love that shit. When we launch our weekly television show in the fall, we're going to be doing a tag team tournament that's going to have some of the greatest tag team matches ever on TV. And uh, we're going to be starting that. And it's going to be one of the main focuses of our TV. There's going to be teams competing to get a first round bye in that tournament, which is a big deal. And we've got some of the best tag teams in all of wrestling competing for our tag team championship coming up in the fall. And what's really exciting about this match with the Young Bucks and the Lucha Brothers is we've been working on this issue for a long time. If you look back to when we first went to Vegas for the ticket on sale party, uh, where we like announced the on sale date for the pre-sale code, uh, for the, for the double or nothing sale, uh, we went to MGM. It was right after the Super Bowl. It was like early February. It was freezing in Vegas and still so many people turned out for this event out by the MGM pool. And you may have seen it. And we, yeah. yeah, And we did a little angle out there where the young bucks say they're the best team in the world. And we're establishing, just like you said, we're focusing on tag team wrestling and it's going to be a big deal here. And, uh, we're going to be bringing the best teams in the world. And then the young bucks said they thought they themselves were the best team in the world. And then the Lucha brothers showed up. They're the triple A tag team champions. Now it's cool to me because, uh, I'm a huge fan of wrestling and I, I remember the one world's collide pay-per-view very fondly. And I remember Eddie Guerrero and Art Barr kind of changing the game down yeah. in Mexico with the luchadors with, you know, with octagon and Elio del Santo. I, uh, was a huge fan of that match. And I, you know, I thought this match blew that match away in, in, in many ways. And, and I thought this was like more a modern tag team classic. And we've tried to establish this issue in so many ways. First, uh, there, there had actually been a, a challenge in Atlanta that, that predated uh, this thing we did in Vegas. But in Vegas, you alluded that you're a big fan of Pentagon, which I think is pretty cool. And you may remember and you may have seen that we did the spot where he did the package pile driver on Matt. And I'm very concerned about safety. And we went through everything. And, and uh, everybody was together. And, and uh, I was told this was going to be a safe thing to do. And it was a very safe thing to do. And, uh, you know, it, it, came, it came out great. It came out looking great. And again, we didn't have a lot of wrestling footage to go into this pay-per-view and establish issues just like I thought we did an amazing job and I, and I can't even do it justice here sitting with you in the, in the amount of time we got in one afternoon, Steve, the, the, the sales job we did on these matches, like just like Cody and Dustin uh, built this incredible 
personal issue for their match. Uh, again, we built this incredible personal issue. Uh, that package pile driver was a big deal, and it really changed Matt. Matt almost went crazy, and the Bucks became crazed performers. They went down to Mexico. We did the angle where they uh, was really easy to work out. This thing uh, they've been, you know, great to work with. Great partners down there. Uh, in Mexico for us uh, with the AAA and the stuff we did where the Bucks went in and, and did this challenge on the spot and took the AAA tag team titles got over incredibly well and if you look at it worked out very well for our friends at AAA too because they did their be- biggest TV rating they've ever done by a wide margin so clearly we were really hot down there and again it's a big deal to me and I look back uh, 25 years ago to Eddie Guerrero and Art Barr and they, what they were doing. And I think it's like, uh, you know, we're not only are we doing all this hot business up here, but it's kind of fun. We're just setting, setting it on fire down there for them, too, as, as, a, as a favor for them sending Pentagon and Phoenix up to work for us. And it's worked out great. You know, I'm all about partnerships. And so far, it's, that's been a good trade. Alexa isn't the only one with breaking news. Make sure to hang around at the end of this podcast for the latest breaking headlines on the AP News Minute. It was a crime no one expected and one many can't forget. 22 Hours, An American Nightmare, a new podcast from WTOP News and Podcast One, details the heinous murders of a D.C. power couple, their 10-year-old son, and housekeeper inside their own home, the chilling messages from the victims being held hostage, Hey, Nelly, it's Baba. the complicated trail of evidence and shocking moments from the trial. She thinks she knows how Darren Wink got inside the house. His defense team drops a bombshell. Will this investigation lead to the release of confidential audio recordings from the case? So it's under general counsel review. I mean, I'm committing to making a transparent court. 22 Hours, an American Nightmare. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts today. This is the Steve Austin Show. Hey, let's move on. Let's talk about that main event for a second because one of the things I liked about this pay-per-view, I guess it was early on, did a little thing where um, Kenny Omega was in his dressing room kind of stretching a little bit and then Jericho dressing room, he's kind of taking his jacket off. It was, it was just a good moment because yeah. they do it a lot in UFC and I, I, it just stood out to me the way it kind of, hey man, this is... That's by design, Steve. It was a really tightly designed show. Like, we're trying to do something, uh, something that hasn't quite been done in wrestling in a long time. I want the show to be focused in the ring. Like, when you go back and watch some older shows you see the shows based in the ring and around the ring and the camera rarely leaves the inside of the arena and even what is like the backstage interview is often done like after the match in the inner around the ring right or in the aisle or like somewhere in the arena and you could do some some backstage interviews but like keep the bulk of the show 90 plus percent of it hopefully in the in the arena and uh that's i think a good focus so when I've said, like, I want to do a more sport-driven product, like, well, you can do some things that are, like, fun and different, but, like, let's try and keep it still in the context of wrestling because even the people who would complain about doing silly things in wrestling have done some of the silliest things in the Absolutely. history of wrestling. And they've just done them in the context of the wrestling ring in the right place. So I think, you know, once people get a feel for it, uh, they'll... But that s- wasn't a silly thing. Let's not... Let's not... Let's oh, not Jesus. No, no, no. That, oh, I love, no, 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 no. We haven't... Uh, again, like... Uh, I, I, and that's like uh, the difference again. I, I where Jr. comes in, right? Because like when Jr. steps up, like you said, it, it takes the show. I think to another level. And the final three matches on this show, when when Jim was in f- uh, full gear, no pun intended, was like a, a whole other kind of wrestling that we haven't seen. I don't know, maybe ever, because the gear the guys are going at, at right now, it's some of the best work you'll 
see and the production values we had, the hot crowd and the big building, JR at his best with working with a good team and, uh, you know, some of the best wrestlers in the world just cooking And I like the, the on screens with the announced team because when Jim Ross is sitting there and he's laying down what's about to happen, you know, the shit's on and it just, and, and the other guys did, did great as well and they're going to become more, you know, unified as they keep going and get their gears going and their synergy. Uh, but it, it, it was just, I like the on screen with the announcers too. And that's the thing too. We have some of the like best entering wrestlers in the world and they're, they're like also some of the most entertaining personalities and like we just were talking about Cody and Dustin and the Young Bucks and the Lucha Brothers and they're two of the best pay-per-view matches of all time I think and they were just back to back going into this last match and you know Cody and the Young Bucks are some of the most entertaining dudes on YouTube and they've just had these two blow away matches and you didn't see us doing any like hilarious sketches in there because it wasn't the time or the place like YouTube's the time and the place for that and they like they and they're the best at it and that's how they built such a big following but this is what the payoff this is the big moment right. the Cody versus Dustin Rhodes match the Young Bucks versus the Lucha Brothers match that you've been waiting for for months and months and months and building the anticipation so to your point like uh, uh, no this was not at all the silly stuff and this was like the, the you know the big main event stuff in those final three matches we just like yeah I thought we we kicked it up in, in to another level and and really showed what we can be and what wrestling can be when it, at its very best so we had to let's, let, let, let me just recap real quick we had the, the, the heavy duty emotion and history of the Dustin Cody match and you guys just started but yep. that that there, there was that history in that match and then with the Young Bucks and the Lucha Brothers of so much creativity going on there and timing and teamwork just out the ass loved it so then you go in and like okay man how's Jericho and Kenny Omega going to follow this and Omega's lights out Jericho's been one of the best workers in the world for it's like I've always said about Chris Jericho he's one of the smartest hardest workers or and, and people I've ever met he's got over and climbed to the top in every promotion he's ever been in and you know that this is you know every, every time is always Chris's moment and Kenny Omega is one of the best in the world come from all this success over New Japan finally gets to come over here in the United States and work for uh, you know a promotion here so that everybody here can see them and I knew that they were going to rip the place apart but after those two matches what do you do and those guys went out there and told another hellish story but what I loved about the Jericho Omega match was they beat the shit out of each other I mean first of all hell of a match great structure great story yep. but they just beat the shit out of each other hell I don't know if Omega's nose was broken he's bleeding uh, but Chris's uh, chest was red as hell from all the chops he just looked like he'd been beat to hell like he said when he picked up a stick at the end he goes I've been you know beat to shreds or whatever he said words, words to that effect but the physicality of that match it reminded me of, a, of like an old all Japan or New Japan match from 20 years ago strong style but with two very athletic guys it was just premier work at, at, at the highest level. I love that main event. Yeah. And they delivered exactly what they needed to deliver. Love the finish. Love Jericho going over. Either guy could have went over, but I love Jericho going over. And for all the reasons that he said, and, you know, you're welcome. Or he, he wants to thank yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. I love all that shit. Yes. And so ju just a great payoff. I love seeing Earl Hebner out there. Earl Hebner has refereed some of my m biggest and most important matches and some random house shows as well. But I love that guy. So it's uh, good to see him out there as well. He was great to work with. What, what were your thoughts on that match? Because to me, like, like I said, man, each match delivered something. It was unbelievable. Uh, Those final three yeah. matches, like how do, you, how do you stack up like three perfect matches when everybody wants to go out and deliver the best match of the show and then you have 
have three of the best pay-per-view matches back to back to back. I mean, like I said, coming into that last match, you know, the previous two matches have been all-time great pay-per-view bouts, and we've just done a segment where we had Bret Hart out there. So suffice to say, <laughs> we can... And I was going to get to Bret. How did you just say, okay, let me call up Bret Hart and say, let me get him involved in this? Because as, as everybody knows, Bret Hart is one of my all-time favorite uh, opponents and men so much to my career from picking me to wrestle him in Survivor Series or whenever made his comeback uh, in uh, the Garden, our match at 13, uh, everything we've done together. Everybody knows how much I love and respect Bret Hart. So seeing him on the pay-per-view, I was like, holy shit. And I, I, didn't, I didn't expect this. How did you decide to call Bret Hart? Uh, it just felt right. It was, to be honest, if you want to hear the story, I was on the phone with Cody one night, and this was like a segment he was he was working on was the title segment. And uh, you saw what eventually became this title segment where uh, my friend Jack Whitehall introduces Bret Hart. Bret Hart, the best there is, the best there was, the best there ever will be, came out. Bret is uh, an all-time great legend of wrestling. And to me, there was not anybody... Uh, better for this than him and the way it happened was Cody and I were on the phone one night talking about the segment and he was like you know maybe a legend brings it out and then I was like yeah maybe like Flair or Steamboat and uh, then I was like what about Bret Hart and Cody said I love it I love it yeah it's great Uh, you know I could reach out to him let's talk to the guys see what they think everybody loved it and uh, Cody did reach out to Bret's agent they put something together so I had never actually met Brett face-to-face until we got to Vegas and a couple nights before the show sat down and had dinner together. And uh, just like, yeah, what a what a really pleasant guy. What a really charming, great person. And I was just so honored to have him there. He was uh, so kind to work with us, and it meant so much to have him there to be this, like, great wrestling champion who kind of encompasses uh, everyone's love of wrestling and, uh, you know, means so much to so many people around the world globally. And Chris and Kenny went out and, like you said, they just absolutely beat the hell out of each other and had one of the most incredible uh, pay-per-view main events in a really long time that people are still talking about with, uh, you know, a pretty shocking finish. And Chris had done a lot of work building up the Judas Effect as a new finisher that can come out of nowhere and take take you out. And he backed up his words and then like you said, he'd been demanding the thank you, and he came to demand the thank you. And then the big payoff of the entire pay-per-view. Hold on. Before we get to that, I love the Jericho entrance. Did he come up with that? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Because it was all the different incarnations because yeah. Chris has always reinvented himself. And that that's why, like I say, the dude's one of the hardest, smartest working guys. Yeah, he brought all this stuff. and then keep... It was great. Yeah. Cause it, and, and now here he is now. Yeah, it was, it was unbelievable, and the guys did a great job on it. Chris, it was Chris's thing, and uh, Keith Mitchell and the team put it together. We've got this incredible team that you're very familiar with, with Keith Mitchell yeah. and a lot of guys. By the way, I have to tell you this. this I didn't tell you this before we went on the air, but I love Keith, and I, I love him so much. He's an amazing person, and I believe this is the truth. He told me that when the subject of you came up in that booking committee, that Keith Mitchell was like, the, actually, even though you have not talked to him, he said in like you know almost 25, 24 years probably, uh, that he said he was the biggest fan of you in the room, and he always believed in you. And I, when Keith says that, I believe it. And he, I have, I'm on the headset with him. I know he can spot the good stuff, even though he doesn't sit around all night watching wrestling like a nerd, like some of us. And uh, I do think, uh, I do think that was true. That you know, when Stunning Steve, that Keith was a big fan of Stunning Steve. That's cool. Tell that guy I said hello because I do remember him. I remember him well. 
and uh, I was doing my thing, and he was doing his. But that, that's that's cool to to know that I had one vote of confidence down there. You literally did yeah, have one uh, vote of confidence from a guy. But now let's talk about the guys in the truck. Like I was telling the guys, when you pop the guys in the truck, the final three matches, all three of the final matches, and all the guys were the guys in the truck had, but all you know, all show the real professional guys who. Uh, you know, they they aren't just cameramen who are uh, hardworking NFL, Major League Baseball cameramen. These are like a wrestling crew, and they were like, "Damn, these guys are freaking great!" The whole yeah. show, and by the end of the show, they were popping big for stuff. Yeah. And I'm telling you, as we would to go through and talk about, it was just so, so many moments where they, you know, hit a spot perfectly and, and timed it just right, or got the right facial shot, or they just they were in position for so many things, and to have. Uh, Keith and his crew be the guys that shot this and and then shot the end, which we'll get into in a minute. Yeah. It was amazing. And that thing with Chris, yeah, they did, they did a great job and all that stuff. And I commented on the Jericho entrance. I want to comment briefly on the Kenny Omega entrance because I know that everybody who knows New Japan Pro Wrestling knows who that guy is. I mean, he's been so uh, important to the landscape over there because he's put on some of the best matches in the world over there for quite some time. So many people know about him. But for me to watch him come out and, you know, I know uh, I'm assuming he signed a great deal with, with All Elite Wrestling and he earned it. And so now to see that guy come over here and, for all these people that didn't know about him to see him, he came across like a star. He's a good-looking kid. Uh, I got a chance to meet him uh, a couple of years ago at a WrestleCon, whatever it was. I got a chance to sit down and visit with him and been watching his work for you know about a year and a half or two or three because, I, like I said, I hadn't followed too much of that stuff. But just what a great guy and what a, what a great performer is. And that guy goes out there just like Jericho, just like y'all, the whole damn crew did on that card, gave 120%. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I love seeing him come out. And it was big time matches about now let's go to uh, the the big payoff, as you were talking about. Jericho grabs a horn, starts demanding that thank you. And here's something. Uh, I'll go into this story because people have been asking this for a long-ass time. I can't remember how long it's been since this happened. But now, now the word's out on the street, and I get a chance to address it. And you happen to be sitting in front of me, so I'll tell it in front of you. I did a Stone Cold podcast a couple years ago with Dean Ambrose. And for, for whatever reason, we got off on the wrong track, and it was a rough podcast. Podcast. And I have been carrying a thousand pounds on my back ever since that happened. I felt so bad about that interview and I was leading the interview. So I take, I, I take the fault of it because I'm there to get people over and make them come off like a million bucks. Yeah. And we just come off on the wrong street and just kept taking left turns and never got back on track. Well, we never were on track. Well, he had his reasons and I had mine. And for all this this time, I felt like shit about that interview. And people said, oh, you know, that's the Stone Cold podcast got cut, got canceled because of how bad that interview was. No, I had fulfilled my commitment. That, that was why the podcast stopped. And everybody thought that there was heat between myself and Dean Ambrose. And I didn't know what to think because I didn't really know Dean real well. And I respected his talent. I'd researched the hell out of him and seen all of his indie stuff. I think he's amazing talent. And then all of a sudden, we just get off to the wrong start. And his fans are like just crapping all over me, the Dean Ambrose fans. Oh, you shouldn't have asked him this, or you were this, or you were too whatever. My fans were like, well, what's wrong with him? So there was just just all this discombobulation and shit going on on social media. Meanwhile, I was sitting there throughout the 
from the end of that interview or during that interview till just the other day, like that one thing is something that I think about almost every single day. I shit you not. That's how bad that bothered me. So I was talking to a mutual friend slash acquaintance uh, that Dean or John knows. And uh, he said something about talking to, to Dean slash John. And I said, man, I just texted him back. That interview still haunts me. And he said, why don't you call him? And I said, well, like I said, I don't know the guy. And I said, do you have his number? And he goes, yeah. I said, can I have it? He says, yeah. So I immediately called John Moxley. I said, I didn't know what to call him. So I said, Dean, Steve Austin. And he's talked about this, you know, some of his interviews. And we had the best 30-minute conversation getting back on the same page. And we were, there was never any personal animosity towards yeah. us. I didn't know how he felt about me. Uh, and I thought he might hate my guts. And, I, and it was my job to go out there and have a, here's the thing. I've been on top of the wrestling world. There's been a point in my life where I was the hottest thing on two feet in the wrestling industry. Yes. And I've had great matches with some of the greatest wrestlers in the history of the business. Yeah. I've also gone out there. Like I was talking to Sting the other day. We were, we were doing this thing together. And I remember when Sting was white hot down in Atlanta and we were working. For some reason, we were working in a parking lot right outside of Atlanta. And I was calling the match. I'd had many matches with Sting and we always ripped it up. And for some reason, we went out there and just completely shit the bed. We went to the back and Sting comes up to me and he goes, Steve, he goes, what happened? And I was like, I don't know. You know, we just shit the bed. So it happens. You can have two supremely talented people go out there and, and just shit the bed. Things, you know, don't happen the way you want them to. That's what happened with me, me and Dean or me and John. And so anyway, we got back on the same page. He never hated my guts. I guess, you know, he's obviously a lot younger than I am. And he was a Stone Cold fan back in the day. Huge. And I'm a huge John Moxley fan. So whoever thought that I was picking on Dean during that interview or, whatever they thought whatever anybody thought I think he's going to come down to Los Angeles whenever he wants to and we're going to do the podcast together so uh, I'm rambling but yeah, I, I but, but this has haunted me for so damn long and people just just think that you know I'm this guy and there's this I don't know this Darth Vader force field around me where I don't feel things I do and when when I've not you know made someone look the way they're supposed to look that that haunts me so now the fact that we're back on the same page I'm looking forward to talking to John Moxley and when he came out there when I saw the look on his face, it was like he just took this gigantic breath of fresh air. And him as a performer, an entertainer, a professional wrestler just came back to life because he was his own man. And I don't know, I'm, I'm not saying anything about what was, I don't know what was going on with him in WWE. But I just know that when I saw him, I popped and I could see that that guy was having the time of his you life. You could see it, absolutely. You could feel it. You talk about the emotions of the Dustin Cody man. I was talking about those emotions because they were palpable. They were yes. real. You feel this. It was, and this is a different kind of emotion. This is this guy is being re-energized and now has another life. Absolutely. That was one of the great moments, I think. And what an incredible way to end an incredible pay-per-view. It was like, yeah, a, right. it was it, it was unbelievable. And you know what's cool is Keith Mitchell, who shot some of these huge moments in WCW and working with kind of budget in a big arena and a big crew, and some super talented wrestlers and he's had some of these pieces since but he hasn't had this combination of things since things were really clicking at the right time in WCW with that kind of emotion and uh for him to be able to shoot something like this that kind of, I mean it was an absolutely nuclear white hot 
uh, incredible moment when Mox came out. And yeah, absolutely. Mox was unleashed as a performer. And honestly, you know, you've seen it very few times where somebody comes out with that kind of intensity. But yeah, absolutely. I think like you you made the comparison yourself. So now I, I won't, uh, I'm not too scared to make the comparison. To, yeah, I mean, the kind of intensity he was channeling very much is like you, Steve. And I've seen it a few times like uh, where you've been unleashed as a performer. And I can think of two times in kind of short succession where you got out of WCW and you were the extreme superstar in ECW and as the superstar, you were doing these incredible promos on WCW and on Hulk Hogan and saying things that the wrestling fans really thought then because I, I was 12 years old and then I guess turned 13 right around the time uh, you left. And yeah, like as to the internet wrestling fan, like Hulk Hogan was the enemy and what he was doing to WCW and putting down the performers people wanted to see. Yeah, he was the enemy. And, and when they lost top wrestlers from WCW like Cactus Jack and Stunning Steve Austin to ECW, well, it's like, hey, these they're taking top guys. Well, you know, those same guys from ECW who were the top guys ended up becoming the top guys that took WWF to the top of the mountain for so many years. I think this is a, po- a positive thing that can happen for everybody going forward in the industry is that the free agent market exists because when wrestling's at its hottest, look, we're at a point where I think the vast majority of people out there, other than maybe the youngest kids, know that it's a work and that... Uh, what's happening between the companies is real and that there is a free agent market and there is activity. I think it's a good thing for everybody. And I think it's going to generate more interest in all wrestling. And I think in the fall, there's going to be more interest in wrestling going into a TV season than there has been in decades. Let's conclude the discussion about double or nothing. Outstanding. I loved it. Moxley coming out, got a chance to get that off my, my chest, my shoulder, my back. I've been carrying it around for two or three years, however long it's been watching that guy be reborn and just re-energize and now to see whatever he's going to do, he's going to do. Yeah, he was unbelievable. F- effing great. I love it. Let me ask you a question. All of a sudden, you've been a wrestling fan your entire life. I got to listen to some of your interviews and uh, what made you, being a wrestling fan, I know that all, all of a sudden because in past interviews you said, okay, there's some talent available out there right now because of contracts expiring. But what made you as a businessman say, hey man, I don't know, because I've been watching this so long, I think there's a void here or there's an opportunity here. What about the wrestling landscape? Because you got Ring of Honor. You have Impact. Yeah, those companies are okay. So. Okay, New Japan comes over here every now and then, but they're, they're basically over in Japan. So sure. what, what makes you think, hey, man, I'm going to start a wrestling organization? Well, there's never been an opportunity like this, Steve. Uh, things had tipped over where there are so many people who were fans of wrestling than there are people who are fans of wrestling right now. And the wrestling products that are out there right now are great. And there's never been a better time to be a wrestling fan in terms of, in my opinion, uh, if you want to see a lot of really incredible workers and some incredibly athletic high spots and uh, some of the most entertaining matches and really entertaining personalities, just some, some great wrestling, like really good stuff right now, then, you know, the last few years have been amazing. But in terms of uh, having a lot of great shows to watch with great production values and hot crowds and a lot of interest around the wrestling business from a mainstream perspective i mean yes there's been a lot of tv money coming into wrestling and that's been a super positive thing too and a combination of factors like the rights fees around uh live sports and uh the media landscape making it possible to maybe get uh, a budget together to have production values for a wrestling show that nobody has really had outside of wwe 
WWE in many ways ever because, you know, technology's changed a lot in 20 years since, you know, there was another wrestling company besides the WWF that had the best uh, technology at the time. You know, we can have all the state-of-the-art technology and run the big buildings and have the hot crowds and have some of the best performers, but not only can we do that, but the reason there's a lapsed fan is because of the kind of wrestling that a lot of people want to see isn't out there. And it isn't just one thing that they're missing. It's a lot of things, I think. And it's stuff, like what? That, it's stuff you talked about, Steve. Like you're, I've heard you talk a lot about uh, the promos being overly scripted and probably too much of the show being uh, overly scripted promos on a lot of the current television. And I think that is an issue. And uh, so when you see our stuff, I think you saw, like, it's not like any writer gave that script to Cody. And it's not like Cody went out there with, like, a script either. I mean, you know, if you watch Cody's process, he has a process to work stuff out everyone everyone does everyone has to memorize things that go out there whether it's bullet points or a lot of details or certain diction you know there's important things everybody wants to hit on but i also don't think you need like a word for word script necessarily for all the stuff and uh look there's a lot of details to this and and as you go on and you're trying to advertise shows and dates and buildings and and personal issues and things you need to get across like absolutely so how did the tnt deal come about the tnt deal came together uh you know it was uh uh, my friend Kevin Riley is the president of TNT and TBS. And when does it start? It's going to start in the fall. There's going to be uh, some specific details here cool. on it very, very soon. Um, and it's going to be uh, really exciting for wrestling to return uh, to TNT uh, in primetime weeknights. How long will the show last? One hour, two hours? Two hour show. Two hours. Love it. Two hour live what day wrestling. of the week? I can't, I can't tell you what day of the week, uh, hey, but I'll give you the time slot. It. The time slot details. I love it. Keep going. You're going to love it, though. Yeah. You're going to love it. It's going to be, uh, you know, I think the, the best wrestling TV show anyone's done and all out is going to be our last pay-per-view going into it we've, we've set up this big issue with with chris jericho and hangman page and we'll continue setting up these huge issues and now we've set up another big main event with kenny omega versus john moxley where we've just announced yeah that's going to be great and kenny omega versus john moxley coming out of this pay-per-view i mean such a hot angle we did with uh kenny omega versus john moxley uh and uh owe a lot to chris jericho for uh putting us in that position he or, or you know not thank just, you chris not just in his <laughs> not just in his mind but uh you know in truly too yes uh and uh, but also in his mind uh, and uh and uh, uh, and uh, no, but it, seriously, in the layout and everything, you know, Chris is a genius too. You know what we've established there with Chris Jericho and Hangman Page for the championship, and uh, for the first time establishing the AEW championship, want to focus on uh, a serious main event picture, both in the singles and the tag team. And then when we establish the women's singles, you know, this may be the first time it gets announced, but just so you know, eventually we we will establish a women's tag team title and focusing on the women's singles and the women's tag team title. And, you know, when we get there, again, I'm going to get uh, pounded for this being the first place I announce it, but I'm not going to pretend we're not going to do it when we talk about being serious about tag team wrestling. Building up the roster, to, you know, working out uh, exactly who those teams are going to be and how we're going to package them. But I'm very serious about focusing on that aspect as well. And as we, you know, focus on having the best world championship in singles and tag teams, men and women, that's going to be a uh, focus of our promotion. When I talk about wins and losses mattering, it, it's an important story. The, who won and lost the matches on these pay-per-views is going to be... You a, ain't got to sell that to me because I'm with you and because I've heard you on previous podcasts talking about, you know, basically, you know, they, we know it's a work, but this is based on being a sport. Yep. And you got to have wins to be in a championship pitcher. Yep. So you're damn right. They, 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 they damn sure matter to me. I'm yeah. glad they matter to you. And I know they matter to everybody on your roster and probably everybody in the business. They should, and uh, I think they do. 
and uh, we shouldn't pretend that they don't. And that's, I mean, it's the opposite. We need <laughs> to do the opposite. We need to pretend they do. And they, 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 have, they really do matter. Like, uh, it's the most important thing we can do, I think. Uh, you know, in establishing a promotion is established that the championship is what everybody's trying to attain. And how do you attain the championship? You do it by winning matches. You do it by going on a run of form and establishing, uh, you know, a streak. By winning a big match. By going out there and having a title eliminator like a Chris Jericho versus a Kenny Omega where the winner is going to go out and fight an open battle royal uh, winner and, and that's how we get to it. I'm really excited about what we're going to do going forward with that stuff because I, I just think, look, like these guys are going to have time to get their personalities across, but they're also going to have time to have great matches. I want people to tune into our show knowing, like looking forward all day to great matches. And it's not like people aren't getting that now. There's, you, you know, you can go on TV and go online and you can, there's tons of great wrestling right now, but it's not all as readily available as it used to be. And there's not as many people watching it because when you were on top, Steve, there were over 10 million people watching wrestling on a Monday and now now there's 2 million people watching wrestling on a Monday and across a week there were just a lot more people watching wrestling than there are now there were by, by difference of millions the, you know the fact is we need to get back to where not only is the wrestling great not only are we doing hot shows like you guys were doing but also uh, we're getting the commercial success we're getting huge advertising money in and we're a juggernaut in terms of television and media and you know well, where did the 8 million people go I think a lot of them you know are uh, I think the vast majority of them are still interested in to some extent in wrestling and I think they could still be convinced by a great wrestling show to tune in and if you look at the statistics I think we certainly tapped into some of them because I believe a lot of the people, if you look at the numbers that ordered this pay-per-view, were not the people that had been ordering other wrestling shows recently. So that we did, you know, in terms of what I call the lapsed fan in a lot of these interviews, we have seemingly resurrected a lot of these lapsed fans. And I think as we go back to TNT, which is a channel that has a history of showing huge, big wrestling shows and some of the greatest live primetime wrestling television ever done, I think that, like, commercially we can be successful just as we were critically acclaimed. When you ask, like, where do the people go, to me, like... uh I, I think they're still there, and I think most of them still have TNT in their available package. I mean, some of the people may have cut the cord, but not all of them did, and most of them I don't think did not, for that matter. And uh, of the ones who have cut the cord, our stuff is still, you know, we still have a ways to disseminate stuff to them, and we're still showing great content uh, domestically on Bleacher Report Live and internationally, uh, you know, ITV's been working with Fight in England, and Fight's been distributing our stuff outside uh, you know, in the rest of Europe too, and they've been great. So uh, there, there's ways to get our product if you aren't a person who has TNT in their home. But there's definitely millions of people that used to watch wrestling that still get TNT and are interested. I know they're interested. It'll be interesting to see if you guys can grow the numbers. Yeah. Here, here's one for you, and, and I don't know if you can uh, announce these details or not. Uh, anyway, uh, talk about your TV deal. It's going to be live once a week on TNT starting in the fall. Uh, will this be in different locations, or will this be in like a studio location in one, one place, or will, will it be United States? We're going to get out, and we're going to travel across the United States, and we're going to travel outside of the United States eventually, too, but I'm initially focused on traveling inside of the United States and doing uh, the kind of wrestling show nobody's done in a long time, if ever. Nope, probably never before. <laughs> are you guys interested in being in the house business? House show? Are you guys interested yeah, in being like, in the house I mean, business? I'm not saying. Or is there a good place to lose money? I mean, because it's not a, it's not my core business focus, and I've I've kind of made it a part of the key part of the business plan is that I don't want to put too much mileage on the top performers by having them perform on shows 
where it's not going to generate as much revenue, where it doesn't make as much business sense to put the mileage on your guys. And I also don't want to put out an inferior house show product that isn't isn't the top people. So if you do see us do house shows, they are going to be top shows with the top people, which means that we're not going to be doing five or six a week of them. So when we get into weekly TV, you know, I'd like to get in a good rhythm of where we're doing, let's say, between 100 and 120 shows a year. And that doesn't mean every busy man. It's pretty busy, but it doesn't mean every performer is going to be on every show. But it means that you're going to get a a, a combination of our top performers and every night. And uh, I have a big enough roster where people won't won't have to use every wrestler on every show to deliver a top roster for that show. So I'm not going to have an off season. People talked about wrestling off season. There can't be a wrestling off season. If you're a real wrestling fan, you don't want to take any week off, whether it's the middle of the summer and the hottest day of the year and you want to go inside and watch wrestling or it's Christmas and, you know, or Thanksgiving and you're with your family and you've been together all day and, you know, you're going to try and sneak in wrestling on the family TV. Wrestling or, season is 24-7-365. And, and I totally agree with that. And, I, and I, so I, rather than have an off-season, I believe, like, we can and extend uh, – the life of the performers by not doing too many events, which is why I'll never have people on the road five, six nights a week ever. It just doesn't make sense. Let alone really, rarely will we have people on the road four nights a week for us. And if, you know, I, I'm going to give people the chance to still do things they care about, whether it's work some international dates or even some indie dates, if it means a lot to them, because we have the availability in the schedule. And if it's something they want to do with their time, it's good. But it, what it also allows is stuff that hasn't really happened before where you can have like a main event star like dr Britt baker top women's wrestler who's literally a doctor practicing doctor and has that career going on while she's on top and like you know she can go and sit with you know go she to did the- a great job that's the first time i'd ever heard of her that's the first time i'd ever seen her and and all, well, all those women did a great job in that match yeah they did an unbelievable job and uh and work her ass off and it was a hard-hitting stuff kenny omega and brandy uh have done a great job you know working with me and laying out a plan for the women's division and bringing in international performers and domestically she's like a top top star and uh so you know people always talk about full-time care for wrestlers and we're you know for most of our people they're working one maybe two days a week and uh what it allows is a chance to go out and have either with us a full-time job within the company like a lot of wrestlers have full-time jobs not you know the executive vice presidents but not just uh cody and kenny omega and the young bucks and and brandy is the chief brand officer but a lot of other wrestlers you know working in backstage roles uh working as agents working in talent relations working in production and media and uh you know doing a day job and we'll continue to do that as people you know come in and they say like well these are my skills and it's like well you know we can look to hire people and give them full-time benefits in a full-time job because there's a capacity for them to, to work five days a week you know while still keeping in shape and getting ready to wrestle and there's a they're the great people to do the jobs who loves the wrestling business more than the wrestlers and there's tons of qualified people but then also if you don't want to work at aew in one of those jobs Jobs, you can also go out and become a doctor and be a practicing doctor and be on top and work at, you know in a big match as a top women's wrestler in a top company in the world so uh to me like we're giving people uh the best quality of life opportunities that anybody's ever given because we're paying very well for what i consider to be a you know like you said 100 but can you sustain that business model yeah i can sustain that business model because we have great media partners and i have great relationships with sponsors and we're gonna uh have the ability to turn this into a 
a, a first class operation very quickly, largely because of the interest of the fans. And the reason the fans are interested is because we have all these great wrestlers. And what I can do for them is give them a, ch- a chance to shine, give them a promotion, give them media partners to work with them to showcase them better than they've ever been showcased before to put matches like those final three matches on the pay-per-view and uh, that segment with Bret Hart and MJF and Hangman Page to set up these big matches for our next pay-per-view with Hangman Page versus Chris Jericho for the title and John Moxley versus Kenny Omega. I can put these guys in this position with these media partners, these relationships, thanks to the hard work my dad's done starting his auto parts empire and, and then getting into the world of sports and media. He bought a football team both in America and the NFL and in England, and, and that's given me a lot of... Uh, relationships and I've been very fortunate to work for him. I've been very fortunate to work at Fulham and the Jaguars and build up these relationships and that's how I've gotten to know all these great people that became my friends. What does this deal with uh, your relationship with you and numbers? Because okay, you're a finance major, you pull out all these random dates, you do this through true media, the analytical data. Yeah. Don't, don't go scientific on me, but what kind of student were you? Were you like an A-plus student? Were you like a rocket scientist? What's the story with you? Uh, to be honest, I was uh, an A-plus student until I got into interested in wrestling on the internet in about 94 and then I wasn't as good of a student anymore and I just did enough to get by and I was watching obscene amounts of wrestling all night and writing about it and writing to my friends about it and posting about it and writing shows and thinking about shows and it was other sports too and I was like doing this while I was coaching basketball and uh and I you know then uh, when my dad was looking at buying a football team and I was doing so much research on football analytics and then that became a huge part of my life. But I've still never stopped following wrestling at any point in my life completely. I've always had it there in my mind and um, it's always been a thing I go back to. So, yeah, it's just one of my favorite things and it always has been. So I always, you know, I always thought at the time I was like in high school, literally when WCW went out of business. But, yeah, I would have thought it would have been a great purchase at the time if you know if you could have put the money together to do it and uh i don't think my dad was going to listen to me in high school with a business plan because right. i didn't have the knowledge to put together the kind of business plan i put together to do this but to get together you know what it took to do this and uh meet with him and show him that i had a business plan had the resources and that we could really pull off this kind of thing where we can build this into a billion dollar business and then some it, it really uh he's got a great mind for business and he's never been a wrestling fan i think and i think i've heard you talk about it and correct me if i'm wrong but your mom took you to some wrestling shows no i just i used to always watch you know when i was a kid and she would sit in her chair behind me while i watched and everybody else was kind of horrified but she wouldn't uh pay much attention right no 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 she wasn't really into it that's what i'm no. bringing up that's yeah. the reason yeah. i bring it up that's my dad yeah he didn't have he was great about it but he was nice to, he would take me yeah and he would put up with it and he would let me watch it gotcha. but he wouldn't that's the reason i bring it up yeah. with a you know because he was like a supportive parent but he was never like a big wrestling fan but so, but, but when you when you presented his business plan to him was he devil's advocate and say well hey tony it sounds good but here, there's a lot here. of money there's a lot of money it's oh, gonna yeah, take it's a, and it's a huge commitment and so but, but did he try to say i don't think well obviously he did it so he believes yeah. it's gonna work he bought into it he bought into it i, I mean, what's I the relationship with, with, with you with you and your dad i mean 
are you super close? I mean, because yeah, yeah. okay, your dad's worth a bunch of million dollars because he's been, been hugely successful. You're this very smart young man, and now you're a owner and creator, founder of AEW. But is it like growing up the way you did? I know you had your chores that you had to do, listen to other podcasts and listen to you talk. But it's like, also like Charlotte Flair. She's always in the, or perceived as being in the shadow of Ric Flair, and she's not. She's her own person now. Or it's like uh, Dustin and Cody being in the shadow of Dusty. Did you feel like you had to do no. something to get out of the shadow of Shad Khan? No, I don't at all feel that way. And uh, I don't feel like uh, I want to distance myself from him in any way at all. Like, if anything, like, it meant the world to me that he was at Double or Nothing. And my dad, oh, that's awesome. you want to hear something cool, you could talk to Cody about it. Like, Cody, right before he went out and, and did his entrance, I was on the headset and Cody was over uh, by the ramp and my dad was walking backstage and my dad and Cody were talking and my Cody told me afterwards, he was like, you know, I was talking to your dad while I was about to go out. And I was like, really? I was over getting ready for the, <laughs> putting the VTR on. And he was like, yeah, your dad came over and I talked to me. It got me real loose. It was actually pretty cool. And I was like, well, you went out and had like, you know, all the great matches of our era. And it was, so I guess it didn't hurt. I mean, and, uh, and my dad told me the same thing. He's like, yeah, I had a really nice talk with Cody right before he went out there. And I was like, that is pretty cool to me. And, uh, no, I met the world to me that he came and, uh, had a great time. And, uh, that he's been so supportive with it. But no, I don't want to distance myself from him at all. We are How super close. How hands-on is he with this? Or is this all your baby? Because, I mean, you know, you, you have your hand it's in mine. soccer. It's... You have football. You have a true media, which, you know, I mean, I'm sure people run these things for you. But, man, you're, you're all over this hands-on, yeah. brain, brain on, in. So how much time is this consuming? I know you said you, you watch wrestling anyway, but now you're involved in it. Super. Your phone's been blowing up ever since you've been here. And it's all you guys texting. You guys have been creative what did you learn now that you're in the wrestling business that you didn't know before that's such a great question steve so much i've learned so much about uh producing live television and i've learned so much about the character of the people i'm with and i made a lot of really good choices and i'm really glad i trust my instincts early on in a lot of things because my instincts early on said that i wanted to put together a roster that very strongly resembles the roster that we did put together and then when i got to talking to the young bucks and cody and talking about, you know, what we want to do and then, you know, bringing in not just Kenny Omega in February, but all the great people we brought in in free agency. And, we you know, we got Chris Jericho, but we didn't just get Chris Jericho. We got all these great tag teams like SCU and the Best Friends, Jack Evans and Angelico and a bunch of other great teams uh, that are going to be coming in. We've, you know, established the Dark Order as a new tag team and they've they've worked out together uh, before and are pretty known under another gimmick. And then you've got uh, other teams coming in, a young team I'm excited about, Private Party, uh, that Matt and Nick are really excited about working with and uh, really have uh, mentored. For me, we, we've gone out in free agency, you know, and uh, obviously, uh, you know, Hangman Page doesn't get talked about as much, but, you know, in addition to Cody, Matt, and Nick, and Kenny Omega, you know, Hangman Page and the Elite is a really important part of that group. And now with well, him, on, that, on that note, Hangman Page, when he came out there, uh, House of Fire the other day and cleaned the house, yeah. I mean, it looked like a million bucks. He, he came across like a big star. So, yeah, I, I did notice that. And, you know, his, his ring gear was similar to mine, black and silver. I'm, I'm, I'm just saying, no, it caught my eye. I'm not saying there's any similarities. He's his own man. Love the gimmick. Uh, obviously, he's a damn good worker. All those guys that come from Japan are. He's put in the same miles as everybody else down there has. Yeah. So, yeah, and, and he's, he's got star written all over him. 
that's awesome. The fact that you feel that way about Hangman Page uh, says it all. Uh, that's like the strongest praise there is, the highest praise there is coming from you, Steve. And, uh, you know, he's a huge performer as well. So, yeah, I mean, like the thought we put into it, uh, establishing this roster, what have I learned? Uh, you know, I've learned a lot of things, like I said, uh, about live TV production, about laying out a great show. But to be honest with you, like I've learned to trust my instincts because my instincts were very good from the beginning, that there was an opportunity to do this, that, you know, I didn't have a name for it yet, but I kind of knew who I wanted to go out and get and what I wanted to do. And Double or Nothing very strongly resembled all of it, like over a year out. Man, I, I wish you guys all luck in the world. You know, everybody knows, like I said, I'm still part of WWE, but I love competition. And I'm glad that there's other guys and girls out there making money. I'm glad that there's something else for people to watch and give an opportunity. And to, to watch that show the other day was a pleasure, and it's worth every $50 or whatever it was I paid for it. And I just want you guys to keep crushing it and knocking it out of the park. And speaking of knocking it out of the park, All Out is coming back to Chicago, but there's other things coming before that. Yes. Drop some dates so people know where to find you guys, where to go, how to get tickets. Thank you so much, Steve. Uh, so we've got a couple of big events coming up before All Out, which is August 31st uh, at the end of the summer, Labor Day weekend in Chicago. Before then, we've got June 29th in Daytona Beach, the Fighter Fest. It's going to be available for free in America. What is Fighter Fest? I got to, I got to, So last year, Kenny Omega put on a show that he felt really strongly about doing, and it came out and did some really awesome things, and it had, I believe, close to 20,000 viewers, maybe 18, 20,000 viewers on Twitch live. On the same night, I believe, uh, this same weekend or same night as a Ring of Honor pay-per-view that I was also watching head-to-head that had uh, Cody and the Young Bucks on it. So, you know, against competition and without those guys on his own show to boot, you know, Kenny went out and put together a roster of wrestlers from New Japan and domestically and did a show. And I think he drew 2,500 people and had some interest on Twitch without a lot of promotion behind the show or without a cohesive wrestling company, so to speak, promoting it because it was technically not like a regular New Japan show and it wasn't like promoted heavily by New Japan or anything. He wanted to do this. Well, I had three shows I felt really strongly about doing going in from the very beginning, even back to last year that I really wanted to do double or nothing Memorial Day weekend. We didn't necessarily have a name for it right off the bat, but that came up pretty quick with the guys with, you know, the Young Bucks and Cody and, and Kenny. We wanted to do all out, obviously go back to where the guys had been really successful with all in. But to me, another show that was really important is the show I'll get to with, with Fight for the Fallen in a minute. But with Fighter, it was something that was important to Kenny, and we all wanted to support Kenny. And in doing so, we've crafted the storyline of the Fighter Fest that is uh, like so captivating. And everybody had ideas that contributed, but essentially it came from me trying to figure out at my AEW how to support this show that Kenny... It's a passion project for him because what it is, to, you know, my long-winded answer to your great question of what Fighter Fest is, is it's a wrestling and gaming festival uh, combination of the best of wrestling and some of the best of fighting gaming. And I'm not an expert on the world of uh, fighting games or gaming, and Kenny is a top gamer and, like, a top person in that world. I've made a major investment into that world, and I've got some major investments in the world of, of, of gaming. Certainly, I'm not nearly as knowledgeable in the field as Kenny is, nor are a lot of wrestling fans. And we're offering this show free on Bleacher Report Live, and it's going to be very different from Double or Nothing in a lot of ways. Uh, there's going to be gaming fans that have never seen a wrestling show, and there's going to be wrestling fans that have never picked up a video game, and there's going to be some things that people might not understand on both sides, but I think there's going to be a lot of great wrestling, especially once we hit the, the Bleacher Report segment of it. The, the, there's going to be an hour pre 
show on YouTube with some some cool stuff, and Kenny's got some fun stuff planned. And there's a hardcore match with uh, the celebrity promoter of uh, the gaming event, Mike uh, uh, Alex Jabaley, against Michael Nakazawa. That's going to be uh, a hardcore match, and that might not be uh, you know at the technical level of a Young Bucks versus Lucha Bros necessarily. But once we get into the Bleacher Report live card, you're going to see some of the best workers in the world. It'll be John Moxley's debut against Joey Janela. Uh, two of the most badass wrestlers in the world. And then when you get the, I think Kenny is really excited about the six man tag he's got planned against the Lucha Brothers and a mystery partner with Kenny and the Young Bucks teaming up, the, the original elite. And uh, we have so many exciting things uh, planned for the card. So Fighter Fest is available on Bleacher Report Live. If it's your first time watching AEW, you're going to see some things and you say, well, I heard about some things from, from Double or Nothing, and this isn't necessarily everything I thought we were going to see with Double or Nothing. And, uh, I will say that two weeks after Fighter Fest, we're coming back with the fight for the fallen, uh, which you know you and I were talking about before I came on the air. It's something I, like I said, I've, I've felt really strongly about wanting to do for a long time to support the victims of violent crimes in uh, my hometown, Jacksonville, Florida, and uh, I've seen a lot of terrible things uh, around there. Just really, really wanted to do something for the people in Jacksonville and also wanted to, you know, bring a show to Jacksonville with our best performers, our best wrestlers, and give them the best wrestling matches. And that's where, you know, the guys came up with the idea to do Cody and Dustin Rhodes against the Young Bucks, two of the greatest tag teams of all time, four of the top wrestlers in all elite wrestling, and with, with Cody and the Young Bucks, three of the minds that started this whole thing off. You know, uh, for us, it's something I feel really strongly about. Uh, and I think that show is going to be, you know, a real pure wrestling show. And both these shows are going to be awesome blow-away wrestling matches, and they're going to be different in their presentation. And uh, they're both going to be available for free. And, uh, you know, I feel real strongly about doing that is before we offer the TV product. And even though uh, as a company and me personally, we're going to be putting a lot of money into offering these shows uh, for free. And, and they're going to have great production values and some of the best wrestlers. And, you know, we're booking big stars and big arenas and, and towns I love because, you know, it's in my, my market for the Jaguars with, you know, Jack, not just Jacksonville, but Daytona for Fighter Fest. And there's a lot of great things about it. And uh, I just, yeah, I felt really strongly about after we did Double or Nothing and we, we did this awesome buy rate and we did this great show that we can hang our hats on, also now is a perfect time to like introduce more people to what we're about and not just we're not just about one thing. Like This is going to be a great show for Kenny to get across things he feels really strongly about in the world of gaming and introduce people in a world where he has a lot of credibility in gaming that may not have seen him wrestle a lot. Well, now they can see a wrestling show that he's proud of and uh, we can we can also make hopefully wrestling fans out of some of those gamers but also I know there's a ton of people in the world of wrestling that are hugely interested in gaming and there's a huge major 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 cross section just like there's a lot of people that are interested in wrestling and football like you and me and can talk about both and go back and forth I think gaming is the same way with wrestling and Kenny is trying to capture uh, capture something and uh, I think you know he has the resources to do it with, with Fighter and then at Fight for the Fallen we have a chance to really help some people and also introduce our product and just what we're about that it's a great what's uh, the date on that that's July 13th that's two weeks after okay, the when is all out all out's August 31st in uh, Schaumburg Hoffman Estates uh, Illinois at the Sears Center and uh, that's you know the three big cards we have coming up this summer before 
we launch our weekly TV series in the fall. Chicago was a stronghold for Stone Cold Steve Austin. And so now basically Schaumburg, Chicago area, uh, a stronghold for you guys. Yeah. And you started with All In when you were there watching. Now with All Out, you, the owner and founder of the company, with all the guys you've been talking about, we've been talking about the last two hours, continued success. Good luck. Thank you, Steve. And uh, I look forward to seeing what you guys do. And I'll watch that damn pay-per-view. Thank you. It means the world to me coming from you. It's uh, the highest praise there is in wrestling. And thank you for having me here at 316 Giving Street and on your podcast. I've been a fan of it for over five years. I mean, and uh, going way back and uh, a fan of yours for when you really got started in the business very early. Uh, I hadn't quite gotten into the USWA and uh, the, the the Texas stuff you did on working with Jerry Jarrett, but um, I uh, had it got into WCW right around the time you got into WCW, and uh, from the very beginning, you know, you're somebody whose career I followed, and uh, I always wanted to be a the big star. And then when you became the biggest star ever in wrestling, I was really really happy about it, and uh, it's been a dream of mine to meet you. And uh, you know, you've been so cool to me in person, and thank you for. Uh, for having me here and giving me this opportunity to talk about AEW. It means a lot. We will do it again. Thank you, Steve. Best of luck. Let's give big ups to True Car for supporting the podcast. Every car comes with this share of stories. That ding in your bumper for when you attempted to park somewhere in Los Angeles or the mileage you saved by taking the bus all summer. While you can't put a price tag on your stories, now with True Car, you can at least find out what your car is worth when it's time to sell or trade it in. Just go to True Car. Simply enter your license plate number and watch how your car's details pop up. Then just answer a few questions. Navigation, moonroof, spacious trunk. This way, you'll know how much of a hit it's going to be so you can plan ahead. Once you're finished, you'll get a True Cash offer sent in minutes, which you can take to a local certified dealer to cash out or trade in. So when you're ready to experience a better way to sell or trade in your car, check out True Car today. True Cash offer not available in all states. Kick back and relax with your new favorite streaming service. Pluto TV. Believe us, you're going to dig it. Pluto TV is the leading free streaming television service. Watch over 100 TV channels and thousands of movies on demand, all completely free. There's also a ton of options for sports with pro wrestling and MMA available. Pluto TV never asks for a credit card. You don't even need to sign up to watch free. Pluto TV is an easy and completely legal way to watch your favorite TV shows and hit movies for free. And the best part, you can download Pluto TV for free on all your favorite devices today, including your phone, Roku, Amazon Fire TV, Apple TV, Smart TVs, PlayStation, and anywhere else you stream. What are you waiting for? Never pay for TV again by downloading Pluto TV. Get more info at Pluto.tv. All right, everybody, give me the go-home cue. So I'm going to wrap up the podcast and ride off in the sunset. But before I do that, I want to thank my guest, the president and CEO of All Elite Wrestling, Tony Khan, for stopping by 316 Gimmick Street today and talking with me about Double or Nothing, professional wrestling, and everything else, AEW. Go to their website to get more information on the dates that he just mentioned. Don't forget about All Out, the upcoming pay-per-view, as they make their return up to the Chicago area. And that's the bottom line. Hey, guys, it's good to be back. Don't forget to rate and review the Steve Austin Show on Apple Podcasts and tell your friends to check us out. I will be back once a week doing these shows with a guest live and in living color right in front of me, or I will be going to them, and we will still continue with the classic episodes as well. If you want to reach me here on the podcast, if you've got a suggestion, you want me to interview a particular guest, 
send me an email. Give me your feedback. Give me your suggestions, questions at steveaustinshow.com. I got a beer out there on the market. It's called Broken Skull IPA, made by El Segundo Brewing Company. It's the best IPA in the United States of America. Here in Cali, you can usually find it at Whole Foods. Many times it's sold out. That's how much in demand this beer is. You can also find it at Total Wines as well. If you ain't in Cali, you're probably SOL, but it's a badass IPA. If you're looking for a badass pocket knife, I suggest everybody have one. Cold steel, broken skull knife, or the new working man knife at a budget. Check them out my new Amazon store. Amazon has the best price on both knives. Just go to Amazon.com slash shop slash Steve Austin. And when I'm out in the woods, I ride nothing but Kawasaki Motorsport products. Got to say one more thank you to all the fine sponsors of the Steve Austin Show, especially BetOnline.ag, CreditRepair.com, Pluto TV, Geico, and True Car. That's how I'm able to do this podcast for you for free. Please support them because they support us. If you need more info on my sponsors, check out the show description to this episode for details. Folks, until next time, my name is Steve Austin. I'm glad to be back, and I'll catch your ass down the road. This has been a Podcast One production. Download new episodes of The Steve Austin Show every Tuesday at PodcastOne.com. That's PodcastONE.com.